It's Wake Up Wyoming with Glenn Woods. Six of time. It's Wake Up Wyoming. My name is Glenn Woods. Thanks for joining me. It's a Wednesday and over the hump we go. I got some weird stories for you today, which I know you're going to appreciate the weird stories. And this is because this, I was thinking about it yesterday. I was going through yesterday's news with everybody here and thinking to myself, I'm, it was only Tuesday and I'm already getting to the point where I'm just sick of talking about what's going on. Then wanted to go on to other things. Well, I have a few. One of the stories coming up this morning, House of Representative votes to censure Talib for her anti-Israel rhetoric and including calls for genocide, stuff like that. She still doesn't get it. She's still trying to make excuses for herself, which we'll get into that, but I knew she wouldn't get it. Okay. Oh, and uh, Harriet Hageman had had enough of her and voted for censuring. Okay, so... Uh, let me see another one. Oh, uh, <clears throat> we should move toward extinction. No more babies and let's all move toward extinction. There's another call for that for the human race, which of course I say to those people, if you want to stop breeding, please do. You go right ahead. I think it would be great for, for the planet. Also a story I had of, there's a, Harvard, sorry, Harvard professor, a physicist that spoke in a way that it sounded like he was speaking to our Governor Gordon, although he didn't call out anybody specifically by name. I want to be clear about that and called the idea of going carbon neutral or carbon negative insane. I have that story up on the Wake Up Wyoming website. See, there's a lot to go through this morning. These stories, oh, 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 in the highest peak of the Grand Tetons, some people want to rename it because of a scandal that happened some time ago. See, these are stories you're not getting in your regular news media. That and a whole lot of other stuff we have to talk about. So, trigger warning. Warning. This show contains reference to guns, liberty, limited government, low taxation, the cult of climate change, free thinking, cigar smoking, short people, rubber chickens, Karen's bureaucracy, liberal buzzwords, tour runs, traffic, toilets, terrible jokes, and more. No apologies will be issued. Guest callers may express any opinion they want without fear of being canceled. Unless you're a loudmouth jerk like Dave, then Glenn will hang up on you. Strap in, hold on to your coffee, and feel free to participate. This disclaimer does not refer to every person named Dave. Just one particular Dave from San Francisco. We know a lot of Daves. They call this show all the time, and they're great people. So don't call this program and complain that we use your name. That would be a real Dave move, Dave. House has voted to censure Tlaib for rhetoric. The story says Republican Representative Rich McCormick's resolution to censure Democrat Rashid Tlaib for what she calls, well, what was called promoting false narratives regarding October 7th, what happened in Israel, Hamas attack on Israel, and calling for the destruction of the Israeli state passed last night. Final vote was 234 to 188 with 22 Democrats joining Republicans. Think about that. 22 Democrats joined Republicans in this. Oh, I bet she's really confused and not happy at all. I mean, really. 
the resolution had passed and it was it, it they it talks about how they try to do it the first attempt they almost passed the resolution the second attempt they did and say my resolution says the author of it is factual and measured and has significant support. Um, hopefully it will pass. And again, it did. Now, in listening to what she said about this, of course she's not getting it because she refuses to and she's defiant. You're not going to stop me from calling for a ceasefire, she says. Well, no one is upset with you calling for a ceasefire. That's not what this was about. There's comments that she made which really call for genocide of Jews and and just a wiping out of Israel. And that's just not acceptable. So that's why she was censured. Now, censuring is really embarrassing, and she has been removed from a lot of committees. I wonder what she has left that she's doing now after all of this. Because for a representative in the House of Representatives, it's one thing to show up and vote. But that's not really where the power is. The power comes from not just being on committees, but chairing committees. You've got to do that or you're just completely ineffective. So you got a chance to cast a vote. Big whoop. So does everybody else. Being on committees, especially certain committees, and chairing committees especially is where the power is. And she has been stripped of a lot of that. So I wonder what she has left as far as actual ability as a congresswoman. Now, at the same time, again, she is just defiant and refuses to give way or understand what she did as wrong, which is, I don't expect this to happen. I would love to turn to the people who voted for it, which is, it's a community that uh, fits perfectly who she is. So I don't think that she would be voted out. But I would love for her where she lives, the neighborhood she's from, the community she represents, for those folks to take a look at her and say, yeah, we need someone better than this representing us. So we'll see what happens after that. Now, Harriet Hageman, I had her on the phone just a little while ago, and there was a vote some time ago to, oh, God, every time they show a picture of Tlaib, she's got a microphone and she's screaming into the microphone. It's just, oh, I can't even look at the picture. Anyway. Uh, former U.S. for our U.S. Representative Harriet Hageman, Rashid Tlaib, who's from Michigan, by the way, support of terrorists and Hamas aggression toward Israel has become too much to ignore, says the story from Cowboy State Daily. After voting against censuring, and on this program, she talked about why she voted against it the first time around. Like we have work to get done. I don't. I don't want to waste my time on this. We have work to get done. At the time she was saying this, the House of Representatives still didn't have a speaker. And so she just wanted to get the House of Representatives up and running again. And she was on this program talking about that. This time, though, she's had about enough. She said, quote, this uh, produced video calls for the elimination of the state of Israel. And it is in direct conflict with our American foreign positions in the region. She said in a press release. Story says Hageman had previously described herself as a First Amendment uh, absolutist when explaining why she didn't vote for Tlaib. That's what she said in this program. So again, and I do agree with this part. Let people speak. You want to find out who they really are, let them speak. And let them get as, as outrageous as they want to get. 
because they're doing damage to themselves. And that's what's happened here. And yet at some point, you got to slap them on the wrist and go, that's enough. Kind of like when Governor Gordon, who also is not getting it, was told by the Republican Party here in Wyoming, they sent that uh, vote of no confidence against the governor with his remarks about Wyoming being uh, carbon negative, not just carbon neutral, but carbon negative. And that was the same idea. We don't, you don't represent Wyoming when you say that, Governor. That's essentially what they were saying. And some people just refused to get it. Uh, so anyway, our Representative Harriet Hageman said, prior to this week's escalation by Rashid Jalibi, it was important for the American people to hear her vile and anti-Semitic rants. See her for who she really is and learn about her factual and historical ignorance on the issue, said Hageman. She has now escalated her rhetoric beyond what is acceptable for a member of Congress. So there is why Hageman decided this time around to vote for censuring. And actually in that, I have to say I completely agree with Harriet Hageman on it. Let her speak. Let her be outrageous. Don't. I'm not for canceling people. If, if somebody has outrageously horrible, offensive things to say, let them talk. Because now everybody gets to see who they really are. Then they can deal with the consequences of that because that kind of hate speech, which is what that is, by the way, that's hate speech. That kind of hate speech goes a long way to changing people's mind. Now, on that note, this is a little bit of a surprise. I'll probably play this more than once, not just today, but at other times. So there's a gentleman who had a really just a great idea. He went around... In a city, and the part of the city, I think it was in New York, but the part of the city he was from, he was also near a university and so on. A lot of college students in the area, but other people as well, professors and so on. And he had a petition to support Hamas. And he wanted people to sign that petition. And, of course, being on a college campus, all sorts of people were saying, oh, I'll sign that petition. He had a little caveat, though. Before you sign it, though, not just that you support him. Let's take a look exactly what Hamas stands for so you understand what you're signing. And everybody said, that's fine. And so he read it off. This is what that sounded like. Doing a, a quick petition to help Hamas free Palestine. Oh, uh, you're all in? Mm-hmm. All right. Oh, uh, yeah, you're in? Easy. I just have to read terms and conditions just so okay. you, know, you know what you're signing. Okay. By supporting Hamas free Palestine, you agree to the following. You agree that every Jew, Christian, and non-Muslim in the world must be slaughtered. I don't know about that one. You endorse making homosexuality punishable by jail or death? Oh, no, no, I don't. You don't agree with that? You believe Iran should use Palestinians as puppets to spread radical jihad and destroy the West? No? Nope. I'm glad I read the uh, terms yeah. of agreement. You support strict Sharia law, which bans women from showing their knees, hair, playing sports in public, not being able to travel without a man's permission. I'm sorry. I'm not interested? Oh, okay. You want a terrorist group that beheads babies and rapes girls to replace only democracy in the Middle East? Not sure that's something to support. So if I sign, I agree with this. Yes. Maybe no. No? Okay. Well, no. Thank you. No. I don't support any of these two things that you just read to me, so okay. then I won't be able to sign this then. That's fair. No, thanks for not signing. <laughs> yeah. All right. That, I think, is a great way to get to people and change their minds. And what I mean by that is he's not being rude to anyone. He's not in somebody's face screaming. Trust me, after years of debating people, I can tell you right now, uh, getting in people's face and screaming isn't solving anything. It doesn't change anybody's mind.
Okay? You're not accomplishing anything. In this case, he asked people if they would sign the petition. Every single person gladly grabbed, they reached for and grabbed that pen. Yes, I'll sign that. Until he read that to them. I'm sorry, they believe what? And they would put the pen right back where they got it from. I can't do that. And that's how you change people's minds. 6 18's the time. Wake up, Wyoming. Sure, this show is sustainable. We sequester all gas emissions to one room. Wake up, Wyoming, with Glenn Woods, live on AM 1030 and FM 95.1, weekdays at 6. Six twenty-five is the time. It's wake up, Wyoming. So, Pete Buttigieg, this is the gentleman who is supposed to be in charge of our nation's infrastructure and roadways and railways and airplanes and some transportation secretary. And of course, he's completely unqualified for the job. Obviously, right? Pete Buttigieg, uh, the House of Representatives, wants to reduce his salary to one dollar. Yeah, here's the story. Representative George Santos, Republican New York, introduced an amendment to reduce the salary of Polly Trottenberg, Deputy Secretary of Transportation, to $1, but failed to do so, with Republicans and Democrats voting against it. On the other hand, the resolution to reduce Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg's salary to one dollar past the house <laughs> house conservatives are continuing their push to defund salaries of biden's cabinet an amendment to the transportation and housing appropriations bill in the house that would reduce the transportation secretary's salary to one dollar passed of course that's not going to go anywhere right Buttigieg's amendment was introduced by representative who else marjorie taylor green republican of georgia Conservatives have long been critical, the story says, of Buttigieg's tenure as secretary, specifically his handling of East Palestine, Ohio, train derailment, his support for the government incentivizing more electric vehicle adoption. And he was widely criticized for taking maternity leave after the birth of his adopted son, supply chain issues. Pete Buttigieg doesn't do his job. That's a quote. It's all about fake photo ops and taxpayer-funded private jet trips. I'm happy my amendment passed, said Marjorie Taylor Greene, but he doesn't deserve a single penny, really. Representative Tony Neal's Republican of Texas offered an amendment to the Transportation, Housing, and Urban Development and Regional Agencies Appropriations Act of 2024 to reduce the annual salary also of Anne E. Carlson, acting administrator of the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, to $1. That amendment failed, barely, with Republicans and Democrats joining together to defeat it. In battle, Representative George Santos, Republican New York, that's the guy who lied about everything to get his job, that one, they introduced an amendment to reduce the salary of Polly Trottenberg, that's the deputy secretary. You notice how many secretaries of the same job we have? We can go ahead and reduce their salaries, I'm all for that, but...
no chickens were harmed in the making of this show. Wake Up Wyoming with Glenn Woods. Dialed 888-97-WOODS to join the conversation. Six thirty-six. The time it's wake up, Wyoming. I real quick just want to go back on something I was talking about just a moment ago. So, our transportation secretary Pete Buttigieg. This is not going to go anywhere, but I like what they're trying to do. The Republicans in the House of Representatives have passed a bill reducing his salary to one dollar. Yeah. Now, again, that's going to fail, but it went through the House of Representatives. In the meantime, they tried to pass that same thing for a few other members of the cabinet. all had to do with transportation. There are several other offices here that when I read about who, let's see, uh, transportation, housing, and urban development-related agencies, okay, well, transportation's in there. Also, the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, which is still... We have at least, at least three, maybe four different people in your federal government who all have basically the same job. Now, there's a few crossovers there. Like, for instance, one of the jobs is transportation and housing. Pete Buttigieg's job is just transportation. So... Why even the crossover there? But, okay, uh, we ha- often have redundant agencies. And these people get paid a lot of money. Let's see, I'm just kind of curious here. Uh, let me go back to conservative. Okay. I'm going to just type in on Google because as I'm talking to you about it, I'm curious. What is Buttigieg's salary? I hear a lot of stories saying they want to drop his salary. Actual salary. Because everybody's trying to give me the story that I just gave you. Okay. Uh, earn more than $800,000. Okay. Here's one from Forbes magazine a while ago. During his presidential campaign, Pete Buttigieg talks about how much he earned during his campaign. I uh, reported earning about $800,000, but not all. that's not all from working in government. That's other things besides that. I'm wondering what his salary is. Hmm. Because to bring him down to a dollar would be just absolutely perfect. I'm wondering if he would even... It's not going to happen, but I wonder if he would want to even keep that. Well, okay, I don't see where someone just mentions his salary. Oh, Secretary of Transportation... Salary. If I find it, I'll mention it to you. Okay. Anyway, why do we have redundant agencies is the point. We have so many agencies in the federal government that are basically either doing the same thing or overlap. And that's typical of big government for you, that they just keep doing the same thing and overlapping. In fact, if an agency is failing, flat out failing to do its job, government will not close down that agency. They'll give it more money. And then open up a redundant agency that does the same thing and give it a bunch of money. Rather than saying this isn't working and closing it down. And as far as uh, hiring people who are completely unqualified, look across Biden's staff and cabinet positions. And see if you can find people that are actually qualified to to be where they are. In most cases, not at all. What was the... The person they had who was supposed to be in charge of 
you know, our, our nuclear facilities, not not bombs, but electrical and so you know that guy who was uh, arrested because he was stealing women's clothing at the airport. Okay, completely unqualified to be in that position when you look at his resume. He has no business being there. So why is he? So we've got a couple of problems here. And it's not – the Biden administration is one of the worst at it, but they're not the only one. The number of times that a presidential candidate would become his president and then everybody he either ran against – because he would make deals with people. Candidates do this. They'll take somebody who's running against them and say, hey, if you drop out, because you're not going to beat me, obviously. You know, look at the polls. You're not going to beat me. But if you drop out and support me, I'll make sure you get a cabinet position. That's often the deal that's made, which means people are handed cabinet positions, again, that they're totally 100 percent unqualified for. I would like to see something done about that, that if the president, any president, nominates someone for a cabinet position, this is what the hearings in the Senate are supposed to, confirmation hearings are supposed to be about. We actually have people in those positions that understand the position that they're nominated for by the president and can actually handle the job. Also, while we're cutting budgets, let's go ahead and get rid of all of these redundant and crossover redundant agencies. It just seems basic common sense to me, but this is government. It's not a private business. A private business knows to do this. Streamline. Cut the fat. Cut the excess. Cut redundancy. Private businesses know the importance of doing this. Government, on the other hand, always the opposite. 642, wake up, Wyoming. When you need to know quicker than the morning paper or the 5 o'clock news, you need Wake Up Wyoming with Glenn Woods. Mornings on K2 Radio. 6.48 is the time. It's Wake Up Wyoming. Off to the icebox we go. Frank Gambino's waiting by. Frank, I came across a headline that says Wyoming Athletics announces plan for War Memorial Stadium renovation. I'm about time. Okay. That mm-hmm. that west side, that those concession areas... Or something out of the 1950s. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, that needs a complete and absolute overhaul. The bathrooms on that concourse on the lower end yeah. need a complete overhaul. It is not 1955. Okay. So they're going to redo that. They're going to redo the press box. They're also going to have like a mid-level kind of a, like a club level. You uh-huh. know, which, you know, and everything in, in college athletics with stadiums and practice facilities, it's an arms race. It's an absolute arms race. you gotta, you got to keep up. Bigger, better, the whole nine yards. Okay. A- and War Memorial Stadium, you know, it needs needs an, needs an overhaul. They started on the other side with the uh, the the suites, which is a w- w- a wonderful addition, but this other side needs serious work. Okay, and nobody's talking about redoing, uh, rebuilding the whole thing. Not like no, no, a no, tear down and no, a redo they're, here. They're, they're going to renovate it. You know, yeah. they got a lot of private money to yep. do that too. You know, and that stuff's not cheap. No. But but. That's got to happen. So the Wyoming legislators, uh, they grabbed some money and tossed it in. Then some private funding brought in about $20 million. Let's see how far $20 million goes. Yeah. Well, know, okay. I, I, seriously, I mean, because it's... Those things aren't, there are not, they are, it's not a cheap endeavor at no, all. No. With the way universities spend money, that'll probably be two urinals, but okay. Pretty much, yeah. Approximately $3,000 new chair back seats with, oh, yeah. with cup holders. Finally. Yes. 
places have only had cup holders for yeah. 25 years. And increased leg room. New <laughs> bleacher style seating with increased width and leg room. Excellent. That's because people are getting fatter. Fatter, yeah. yeah. Now, new public concourse with added vomitories. Huh? That's what it says here. Into the War Memorial Stadium on the West Stands to improve traffic flow. That's entrance, oh, ex, exits and entrance points. They're calling them vomitories. Oh. I don't know. Uh, improved ADA access to yep, yep, the West Side. That, yep. Okay, that's fine. Uh, new concourse and stadium lighting to improved spectator athlete visibility and safety. Sometimes it gets dark up there. Okay. And uh, newly constructed, here you go, restrooms, concession yes. stands, and team store. Yes. That's they have one yeah. at, at the end, but it's kind of like, you know, attached to... Yeah. You know, I mean, it's it's just like a room. got to think they, retail. Yeah, case, yeah, big yeah. time. Well, men's college basketball from last night, the Wyoming Cowboys mowed over northern New Mexico and Laramie to start the season 104-56. to Northern New Mexico is an NAIA school, so the result here is no surprise. Cowboys have four players in double figures, led by Sam Griffin, who is the transfer from Tulsa. He had 24, and Aquel caught the transfer from Fort Lewis at 21. He is a gifted offensive player. UW shot 62% from the field and nailed 13 threes in the game. The Cowboys will be at home on Saturday to meet Cal Poly. The junior college basketball season is underway on the men's side. Casper College with a new head coach in Tom Parks, 2-1 and one on the year after an 80-74 win over Western Nebraska, a 94-56 loss to Salt Lake, and a 109-69 win over the Jumpstart Academy. Well, they're, they're going to replace that, and that's as old as dirt. Gotcha, I get it. All right, thank you, Frank. Coming up on some local business news time. After that, weather forecast, wake up, Wyoming. Six is the time. It's Wake Up Wyoming. My name is Glenn Woods. Thanks for joining me. It's a Wednesday, so over the hump we go. Triple A ninety seven Woods, the phone number. That's eight 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 ninety seven W O O D S. Talk about well, in fact I'll get into open phones in just a bit because there's a couple of things that I want to get into. And uh, let me check on just make I'm checking my own notes here before I move on. Not to my knowledge anyway. Oh come on, load already. Okay, aha. We do have at 820, yes, thank you, Miss Mary, Rihanna Brand, Cheyenne Mules on Wheels will be on 820 to talk to us. They have a big milestone. This is going to be, uh, I'll, I'll explain when we get to the 820, but that's a little bit later on. Okay, so starting Monday, I had pointed out that Governor Gordon had gone to Harvard University. Actually, it was last week, wasn't it, that he, I said that? And he talked about making Wyoming not just carbon neutral, but carbon negative. Right. All right. And then remember the Wyoming Republican Party over the weekend decided to issue a notice of no confidence to the governor because, hey, you don't represent the values of Wyoming with what you're saying. The governor's sticking to his guns on that, but okay. So I came across something this morning by accident, completely by accident. A Harvard, I'm sorry, a Harvard University physicist is calling the entire carbon negative and carbon neutral plan insane. He uses the word insane. Now, to be very clear, 
when I wrote the article of this morning, I have in the headline that Harvard physicist calls Governor Gordon's carbon negative plan insane. To be clear, and I put this in the article, the physicist in question does not mention Governor Gordon at all. It is interesting, though, that after Governor Gordon spoke, shortly afterwards, the physicist issued a letter, which I'm going to read from excerpts from. Never mentions the governor, but it sounds to me like he's speaking to the governor and other people of the same mindset. So that's why I included it, because the governor's plans, according to this physicist, would be insane. Not specifically mentioning Governor Gordon. So now we got that cleared up. Here we go. The whole idea, of course, is to sequester CO2, also capture it out of thin air. He's got The governor has a plan that he wants to engage with, with the uh, state of Colorado to set up some machines that would basically grab CO2 out of, out of thin air. All right, so this physicist, now if you want to see everything that he said, because I grabbed some excerpts, it's a rather long letter, and you can read the entire thing because I have links to it within the excerpts that I grabbed. He says, some people claim promoting net zero would be totally easy and cheap, below $2 trillion in total expenses, as long as we built a bunch of nuclear power plants, but uh, such claims are completely insane, he says. He also says all electric cars are basically impossible. And the reason he says basically impossible is because if you try to go all electric cars, we can't. I've explained why before. In fact, I played a cut from the gentleman who's in the trucking industry as to why that's not possible. For, for a multitude of reasons, including our grid and reliability, things like that. Okay, this physicist goes on to say, every forcible shutdown of a power plant, whether it runs on coal or uranium, is a huge waste of money. Equally important for net zero, it totally fails to be enough to replace the power plants. So in other words... He's talking about wind and solar and stuff like that. We're closing down power plants, but we're not building enough to replace what we closed down. And we can't because of the unreliability of wind and solar. He goes on to say, and again, I'm skipping around in the letter, the replacement of cars by electric vehicles is basically impossible in decades to come. The market already shows that the demand for EVs has almost evaporated instead of the promised exponential growth, the EV makers are uh, facing declines. It is no surprise. I've got another story on that coming up in just a bit. But all right. Even if we find huge lithium reserves, they will get more expensive to mine because we must dig deeper. And we'll also run out of copper, ca- uh, copper cadmium, and uh, everything else. And that's just cars, he says. So, You also got to consider wind farms and solar and stuff like that. A lot of the materials that we would need to build as much as we would need to replace everything they want to shut down, we don't know where to find all of that. It doesn't seem to – unless you want to go mining asteroids, I don't know where you're going to go. Then you have cows and methane, he says. He goes on to say – remember, this is a Harvard physicist speaking and writing shortly after Governor Gordon spoke at Harvard. This physicist says net zero is insane. 
with nukes or without elementary science and economics. The real battle is against lunatics, he says. The appropriation of science and the, quote, science brand by climate alarmist crackpots has been a huge blow to civilization. He then goes on, and I want to point out again, this is a Harvard physicist. It is BS, he says, that CO2 is behind the bad individual weather events and extremes, and pretty much everyone understands that. One to two degrees Celsius of warming per century is not a problem. What is terrible is that CO2 has been irrationally blamed for storms and other things that have existed on Earth for billions of years. So if you wonder where I get what I say, it's from guys like this, who's a Harvard, I keep saying it wrong, Harvard, it's Harvard University. He's a Harvard physicist. So I'm not making this stuff up. Now, on that note, on that same note. I mean, the confessional essay by Patrick T. Brown, Ph.D. in the Free Press, entitled, quote, I left out the full truth to get my climate change paper published, end quote. And it's a bombshell that's attracting wide media interest because, A, he is a climate scientist, and, B, he is not a denier, and, C, the paper in question was in Nature, a proudly peer-reviewed publication, and, D, as a real scientist dedicated to following the scientific method as opposed to reaching predetermined results in support of a narrative, he can no longer remain silent. But he had to leave academia to speak out. Now, Brown has a PhD in Earth and Climate Sciences from Duke University. He lectures at John Hopkins in their Energy Policy and Climate Program, and he's a co-director of the Climate and Energy Team at the Breakthrough Institute. The paper I just published, Climate Warming Increases Extreme Daily Wildfire Growth Risk in California, focuses exclusively on how climate change has affected extreme wildfire behavior. I knew not to try to quantify key aspects other than climate change in my research because it would dilute the story that prestigious journals like Nature and its rival science want to tell, end quote. It is critically important for scientists to be published in high-profile journals. In many ways, they are the gatekeepers for career success in academia. And the editors of these journals have made it abundantly clear, both by what they publish and what they reject, that they want climate papers that support certain pre-approved narratives, even when those narratives come at the expense of broader knowledge for society, end quote. As to why I followed the formula, despite my criticisms, the answer is simple. I wanted the research to be published in the highest profile venue possible, end quote. The first thing the astute climate researcher knows is that his or her work should support the mainstream narrative, namely that the effects of climate change are both pervasive and catastrophic, and that the primary way to deal with them is not by employing practical adaptation measures like stronger, more resilient infrastructure, better zoning and building codes, more air conditioning, or, in the case of wildfires, better forest management or undergrounding power lines, but through policies like the Inflation Reduction Act aimed at reducing greenhouse gas emissions. And of course, it extends to their habit of getting their like-minded buddies to do the supposedly immaculate silver bullet peer review that actually just props up this compromised system. When I had previously attempted to deviate from the formula, my papers were rejected out of hand by the editors of distinguished journals, and I had to settle for less prestigious outlets. I sacrificed contributing the most valuable knowledge for society in order for the research to be compatible with the confirmation bias of the editors and reviewers of the journals I was targeting. So now you know where this information comes from. If you want to hear everything that Harvard physicists wrote, then uh, you can go ahead and find it on the Wake Up Wyoming site. I know Miss Mary will alert it out at some point. But again, it directly responds to everything that our Wyoming Governor Gordon said while he was speaking at Harvard University. 716 is the time. Wake Up
Wake Up Wyoming goes anywhere you do with the Wake Up Wyoming app. Free download for Apple and Android. This is K2 Radio. 721 is the time. It's Wake Up Wyoming. My name is Glenn Woods. All right, so I just got done reading the story where the letter that a Harvard University professor and physicist wrote shortly after Governor Gordon spoke there, but again, he never mentions Governor Gordon, to be fair about it, saying that the idea of carbon capture and sequestration and carbon negative is just insane. Now, if you, again, if you want to read all of what he said, there's a story up in the Wake Up Wyoming site right now, which I have links to it, its entirety, if you really want to see it. Now, meteorologist Dr. Ryan Mayu says, just stop oil protesters are attacking artwork, things like this. They're suffering from a mental illness and objective stupidity. He put this on the, what's now called X, Twitter. This is exactly what he said. Just stop oil activists was triggered to hammer a painting uh, because he thought it was, the government was responsible for a recent uh, stormy weather episode. Bad weather hit his area. This guy thinks that that was caused by government. We have to fight climate change. So he goes to an art gallery and tries taking a hammer to a piece of artwork. So this gentleman says this is a mental illness and abject stupidity. However, the media has indoctrinated them. I would say that that's true. Now, again, remember, this is also a climatologist I'm reading from. The media has indoctrinated them with incessant climate doomerism. The These two activists were brainwashed into believing we have no future, so it wouldn't take much to make them violent extremists. Now, on that note, speaking of insanity, get a load of this headline here. Having babies is profoundly immoral. We should move towards extinction say, bioethicist. Well, okay. Now, my answer to that is, if the folks that we're talking about honestly believe that, I support them. I am totally in favor of them no longer breeding. That's a great idea. Here's what they say. Severe problems such as climate change would find a resolutions if humans cease to exist. Let me, let me pause right there because I, we can say a lot about this. So, okay, climate change didn't occur until human beings came around? Is that what you're saying here? Because my understanding of the science is we have went through weather extremes, nothing like nothing humans have ever experienced, that at times almost wiped out all life on this planet. That happened several times over. And that happened before human beings ever got here. But this person says severe problems such as climate change would find a resolutions if humans cease to exist, thus eliminating environmental destruction. Yeah, because environmental destruction only happens because of humans, right? I remember one time I was in a conversation with someone online and I talked about how the earth pollutes itself. Earth doesn't pollute itself. Really, you ever looked at a volcano? What comes out of a volcano? To name one thing. Just to name one thing. Up in Canada, there's the tar sands oil that right now, and activists would love us to, or Canadians, to stop retrieving the tar sands oil. What happened was there was a huge oil reserve underground, way underground. But then there was an uplift, 
and mountains were formed. And then the mountains cracked open. And the oil was uplifted into the mountains. Then the mountains cracked open and all this oil spilled out into the plains, the valley and the plains below. So there's a massive area up there. If They call it tar sands because if you walk around, it looks very sandy. And you're going to get a bunch of oil and tar stuck to your shoes as you walk around. And so what Canada is doing, uh, whatever oil companies working in up there, they come along with bulldozers and they scrape up the sands. And then they bring it to a processor which separates the sand and the oil. The oil is then sent down to refineries here in America. The sand, after it's cleaned up of the oil, goes back to where they got it from. And they put it back with the seeds of indigenous plants from the area. right? And so they're actually recovering a natural oil spill. But, you know, nature doesn't ever pollute itself, right? Anyway, this uh, group goes on to say, It appears clear that numerous problems plaguing humanity, such as wars, famine, crime, discrimination, and cruel treatments of animals, to name a few, would vanish if humans did not exist. The adoption of uh, anti-atheism, anyway, would therefore solve everything. In other words, Quit having kids. The honorable thing for our species to do is to deny our programming, stop reproducing, walk hand in hand into extinction, one last midnight, brothers and sisters opting out of a raw deal. Now, again, if this is the way this person thinks, I am all for it. He's not saying kill anybody. He's just saying let's not breed anymore. Okay. We we will stop breeding. We're we're right with you. Don't tell them. We'll all stop breeding. You you you're right. The more people like this don't breed, the better we are. He goes on to write. Thus bears a resemblance to a pyramid scheme where the participants work for the well-being of the previous victims in the scheme, creating a vicious cycle where new people must be recruited to benefit. Well, you get the idea. It goes on and on like this, and this is just nonsense. All right, so every time I see something like this, I always think you first. When it comes to these extremists, my thought is always you first. There's even those who have called for uh, wiping out genocide, essentially, of human beings. We need to start offing ourselves to save the planet. And my answer to them is I'm all for it. You first. You go right ahead. We're right behind you. But this is the kind of extremism... That's out there. Now, look, that kind of extremism always exists. What gets me, though, is the number of people who normally would be rational people, or I thought were rational people, who buy into it. And then it's continually pushed by the media. It's fed to our kids in schools. This same kind of nonsense over and over again. And so it gets into our society and our thinking because we're actually promoting this kind of insane behavior. All right, I'm moving on to other topics, but I just wanted to get out of the way the number of people that are in high places. And what I mean by that is a a Harvard physicist, a climatologist, and others that you heard this hour, which are not on board because that 97% of scientists agree nonsense is just that nonsense. And they're flat out coming out and saying this is absolute 
nonsense. These people are insane and are actually starting to use insane as what I just read right there. That's insane. Coming up on 7.30, local news coming your way right after local news update on the weather forecast. You and I get back into it. 7.45, Don Day joins us to update our weather forecast throughout the rest of the week, which actually looks pretty nice. Let's wake up, Wyoming. Glenn Woods fits in your pocket with the Wake Up Wyoming mobile app. This is AM 1030 K2 Radio. Seven thirty-six of time. It's Wake Up Wyoming. So, according to this from Wildfile, Wyoming legislators want fifty million dollars to sue feds over environmental laws. Now, if you're wondering why fifty million dollars, lawyers are expensive. Here's the story. Wyoming lawmakers want to earmark $50 million to sue the federal government over the implementation of national uh, environmental and natural resource laws. Lawmakers added the proposed $50 million to an appropriations bill, draft bill, federal land use plan and actions authorized at the Joint Agricultural, State and Public Lands and Water Resources Committee. They really have to come up with either shorter names or acronyms for this, honestly. The bill authorizes the legislators to uh, go after involving any actions involving uh, administration and in well, federal acts that damage our way of life here in Wyoming, from energy to recreation. I'm cutting through the legalese language here to get to the point for you. So lawmakers propose the measure, it says, in part because of their dissatisfaction over the U.S. Bureau of Land Management efforts to put conservation on equal footing with resource development in the Rock Springs area of southwest Wyoming. Wyoming believes the BLM's draft Rock Springs area resource management plan for 3.6 million acres of federal property threatens the state and local interests and economics and everything from mining to drilling, grazing, recreation. The bill targets the Federal Land Policy Management Act, the Natural Historic Preservation Act, the Endangered Species Act, the Clean Water Act, and all of this that I just mentioned. This is the big mistake you hear me talking about a lot. This is, these are cases where Congress did not write a law. They wrote an outline. We want to achieve the following. We want clean air. We want clean water. And so who doesn't? So that's passed. And the bill, now law, directs the Environmental Protection Agency to write the rules, laws, to make that happen. And, of course, that gets out of control. You just gave bureaucrats the authority to write law. Of course it got out of control. And all these other government agencies I just mentioned are doing the same thing. The bill would allow the Wyoming legislator to... Prosecute an action for discriminatory judgment, I'm not legal language again, to protect Wyoming uh, public interest. So the committees voted unanimously to advance the bill with the re- recommendation of $50 million being appropriated. Again, $50 million because lawyers are expensive. One legislator gave his view of the effect of the BLM's preferred version of the Rock Springs plan. Quote, we're risking billions of dollars for the state of Wyoming if Rock Springs resource management plan and similars are enacted. That's uh, John Kolb. He said, it's the future of Wyoming. It's the future of my kids, my grandkids. 
And he says, so what does it send as a message to what we're doing and what we're serious about? This is what they're trying to do, show that they're serious, get into the fight. Others agreed that the measure would underscore Wyoming's position. So uh, we need to show strength here, said Senator Bob Ide of Casper. Okay, so they, everybody was in on this. Senator of Lingle told the committee the bill would give lawmakers their own power. If we want to join the governor in a lawsuit or if we want to litigate something on our own, we can do so. That would be interesting to see that let's let's say that there's a lawsuit that the governor the governor really doesn't want to get in on, but the state legislative body does. This would mean that the legislative branch could go ahead and file their own lawsuit. They wouldn't need the governor to do so. So, story says Wyoming already has the ability and authority and funds to sue the federal government to protect state interests. Wyoming has been involved in 37 federal and natural resource lawsuits in recent years, according to a list of the Wyoming Attorney General's office gave to lawmakers last month. The Attorney General, Bridget Hill's budget for uh, the two-year period ending in the summer it says approximately $100 million well, for her and her staff of 228 according to the documents. Wow. So we're spending already like about $100 million on her and her staff to do things like this. <clears throat> wow. Um, going after the federal government is expensive. Well, again, because lawyers are expensive. But this is what we need, I guess, they believe that we need resource-wise to fight the federal government in court. Hmm. This could be solved. It's not going to be solved in my lifetime. But this could be solved by getting the bureaucracy under control. Congress has the ability to rein in the bureaucracy. This is what I've said for quite a while that needs to be done. When Congress writes a law... It's a very specific law, and the bureaucrats are not allowed to write rules and regulations. Now, if they do come up with their own ideas for rules and regulations, it has to go through Congress. They can come up with an idea and submit it to Congress, but Congress has to pass it. The bureaucracy should never be allowed to write law. 742, wake up Wyoming. Local and mobile across Wyoming and beyond with the Wake Up Wyoming mobile app. This is AM 1030 K2 Radio. 7.45 is the time. Wake Up Wyoming. Off we go to talk to Don Day from Day Weather. So, Don, I noticed this morning when I was leaving my house, I chose a slightly heavier sweater. Things are changing. That's good. So do you have a rack of sweaters? I do. That, that has a gradient yes, I of do. thickness? Okay. You would be surprised. Also, my shirts, because there's summer wear, there's fall wear. I'm just sounding like a horrible geek, aren't I? And then there's my winter clothes. I think you should branch out and have the Glenn Woods mm, seasonal yeah. clothes collection. I, you know, that's not a bad idea. And I actually have them, I, if you open up my closet where the coats are, I actually have them. Boy, this sounds so bad now that I say it out loud. <laughs> but no, I reached in for a sweater, and I I thought, you know, that sweater's not going to cut it. The one I've been, I, I need to grab the heavier sweater, which was a wise decision. And the the big heavy coat, I'm waiting to grab it. Yeah, we can leave that heavy coat for a while, okay, but it is going to certainly be cooler today. In particular, as that front and trough has come in and. 
next few days, temperatures are going to be, we like to use the word seasonal. And yeah. all that really means is temperatures about average uh, as we head into the next several days, which means a lot of areas today will only be 30s and 40s. And then for the rest of the week and the weekend, it's 40s and 50s, which is okay. very close to average. That's not bad at all. Now, when it, are we pretty much done with any wet weather or is there still some coming through? There's still some snow showers. In fact, some snow showers have been passing through Cheyenne and Laramie here over the past hour. And there's going to be some of that in the far southeast uh, and a few lingering over the higher mountain areas. But for the most part, once we get by today, tomorrow through the weekend into early next week, other than some mountain snow showers Friday night and Saturday, there's really just very little going on. It's pretty quiet. for Wow, that sounds like a nice weekend coming up. It won't be bad. It really okay. won't. Not bad. Now, still, though, I always have to ask about what's brewing in the future. And on your Cowboy State Daily podcast on YouTube that I watch every single morning, it sounds like you're watching something, but you haven't made any decisions yet. Yeah, it's too far out. We, we're confident enough that what we see from a big, large-scale weather pattern across the northern hemisphere, there's going to be a change mid to late next week that's going to allow a lot of storminess that's bottled up in the North Pacific to come into the West Coast. And we see that happening for Washington, Oregon, California, maybe even to Arizona and Nevada by, let's say, seven or eight days from now. And then the the trick is going to be what happens after that? Will Will that storm break apart into pieces and by the time it gets here not be much? Or is it going to be able to maintain its integrity and strength and be a significant storm for the Central Rockies? And it would be that would not happen until a week from this weekend. So we're talking way out there, but we're confident that this pattern is going to change. And so it, it is certainly going to affect parts of the West United States in about eight or nine days from now. Okay. But between now and then, it's a really honor. It really yes, is. You ever see the movie The Big Lebowski? Of course. Uh, one of my favorite movies of all time. Some friends of mine, knowing that I love that movie, they got me the sweater that the dude wears. <laughs> All right. Well, there yeah, you go. And let me tell you, it is a warm sweater. So, you know, Don, the dude abides. All right. All right. Thank Perfect. you. It's, it's, uh, well, I, again, I know I sound like a complete dork when I say stuff like that, but I'm good with it. So off we go. To the icebox, Frank Gambino is waiting by. So I just sent Miss Mary this note. My ducks are absolutely not in a row. I don't even know where some of them are, and I'm pretty sure one of them is a pigeon. Okay. Okay. Which means that uh, yeah. you need to get it together here. I really, that, that's why I started looking up uh, things about getting organized. My housekeeping style is described as there appears to have been a struggle. Yes. Yeah, okay. With, with no winner, really. <laughs> yeah, not really, no. Be, they start looking for the body. Yeah. Uh, cleaning with kids in the house is like brushing your teeth while eating Oreos. Yes. Yeah, okay. That is a no-win situation. I'm not messy. I'm just organizationally challenged. Yeah, that you're okay. a slob. Yeah, that's right. Let's just put it that way. My idea of cleaning is to sweep the room with a glance. Okay, that's, that's <laughs> you're still a slob. You're identifying the problems, just not doing anything about it. I'm not a hoarder. I'm a collector of memories and random junk. Right. See? Okay. That, that should go on the street. Um. Let me see. The only time I have a clean house is when I'm expecting guests. Yeah. And I never have guests, so. <laughs> never clean. Just don't invite anybody over. You know, you, you know you're like, oh, somebody's coming over. Let's, let's just kind of straighten yeah, up sure. a little bit. You know? yeah, that's right. I'm not procrastinating. I'm prioritizing my clutter. Yes, yes, mm, okay. yes, yes. 
Cleaning is just putting stuff in less obvious places. Yeah. Like like under the rug, yeah. under the couch. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I may have a messy house, but I also have a happy family. Oh, okay, okay. Really? Uh, I clean up nicely, but it doesn't last long. You know, some people, when they clean up, Frank, it's like uh, pig pen. If you remember him yeah, from yeah, Peanuts. Yeah. You, you go ahead and give the kid a bath and just stand there and watch. And within a few minutes, here comes all the filth and dust around him again. I prefer the filthy, dusty. Yeah, okay. Uh, let me see. Uh, cleaning and Okay. I don't have a mess. I have a highly evolved sense of chaos. Boy, that's uh, word. You know, that, that's that, really... That, that, that's word salad to no end That's there. stretching there, yeah. Yeah, big time. Men's college basketball from last night. The Wyoming Cowboys mowed over northern New Mexico and Laramie to start the season 104-56. Northern New Mexico is an NAIA school, so the result here is no surprise. Cowboys have four players in double figures, led by Sam Griffin, who is the transfer from Tulsa with 24. A Qualcott, the transfer from uh, Fort Lewis, had 21, and he's a gifted offensive player. UW shot 62% from the field. They nailed 13 three-pointers in the contest. The Cowboys will be at home on Saturday to meet Cal Poly. The junior college basketball season is underway on the men's side. Casper College with new head coach Tom Parks is 2-1 and one on the year with an 80-74 win over Western Nebraska, a 94-56 loss to Salt Lake, and a 109-69 win over the Jumpstart Academy. The T-Birds will be in the Southern Idaho Tournament in Twin Falls this weekend. The LCCC men are 2-1 and one after a 74-72 victory over North Platte, Nebraska. They also beat McCook 87-56 and lost to Trinidad 116-100. The the Eagles will host Western Nebraska tonight. Casper College women's basketball team started the season with an 80-64 win over Snow College from Utah, then lost to Utah State Eastern 67-62, and they'll be at NJC in Sterling, Colorado on Friday. The LCCC women posted a win over North Platte 56-52 and McCook 57-50. They'll be in the Western Wyoming Tournament. Later on this week, college football, the Wyoming Cowboys will be on the road at UNLV on Friday night. The Cowboys rebounded from that Boise State loss with a nice 24-15 win over Colorado State in the border war last Friday in Laramie. It was a pokes, it was a win the Pokes desperately needed. So now they are six and three overall, three and two in Mountain West Conference play. UW hasn't been very good in football lately except for this season. The Rebels are seven and two and their losses are against nationally rated Michigan and Fresno State and did beat Vanderbilt in the SEC. Cowboys are five and a half point under dogs in the game that will start at 845 on Vegas on Friday and we'll have that for you on K2 Radio and Casper and KOWB and Laramie. In the NFL, some former Wyoming Cowboys had sharp games over the weekend. Casper native Logan Wilson with eight tackles in Cincinnati's 24-18 went over Buffalo. Bill's quarterback Josh Allen was 26 of 38 for 258 yards and one touchdown in that game against Cincinnati. New Orleans defensive lineman Carl Granderson with five tackles in their 24-17 win over Chicago. Marcus Epps who plays in the Las Vegas Raiders secondary had four tackles in their 30-6 win over the New York Giants. That's in the sports. Let's see here. Um, I'm not untidy. I'm just allergic to housework. No, that doesn't work. Are, are we all? Yeah. A little bit of mess can add character to an otherwise dull space. Okay. That one's actually quite... Try that on your yeah. spouse. Sure, yeah. And, and see what the reaction you get with that one. Why put off till tomorrow what you can procrastinate on forever? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. yeah. Or today or next <laughs> yeah, week. Yeah. Yeah. A messy house is a sign of a creative mind at work. The no, it's not. Only thing I've ever organized successfully is my sock drawer. <laughs> and, and, and sometimes that is a challenge also. Uh, yeah. Life is too unpredictable to waste time obsessing over order. <laughs> okay. Right. And I prefer to think of my life as organized chaos. Okay. It's the best of both worlds. That, that, all right, that'll that'll work for me. Yeah, all right. Let's wake up, Wyoming.
8.06 the time. It's Wake Up Wyoming. It is a Wednesday. So over the hump we go. Getting into the open phones. Hang on. Just Oh, I do have a guest coming up at 8.20 real quick. Other than that, it's you and me all the way. Local residents explode at Biden officials over plan to release grizzly bears near their communities. Really? I have a solution for this, but hang on. Open phones. Warning. Wake Up Wyoming is about to enter daily open phones. This means that anyone will be allowed to call in and talk about anything. I mean, imagine if we actually allowed you on air to say anything you wanted. Scary, right? Well, we're just that brand of crazy. If you are offended by what other people think, then maybe you want to tune out right about now. Just saying. If you should choose to call, just remember, the more funny and interesting you are, the longer Glenn will keep you on the line. Obnoxious jerks will be hung up on. <coughs> Dave, <coughs> all right, strap in and let's do this thing. 888 Woods, the phone number. That's 888-97-W-O-O-D-S, where you can talk about what I'm talking about or change the subject. Either way, just kind of works fine for me. So here's the story. Dozens of local residents in northern Washington state recently voiced their strong opposition to the Biden administration's plan to release grizzly bears in right next to their neighborhoods. It's a federal land area next to their neighborhoods, but okay. More than 200 local residents attended a public comment session hosted by the Fish and Wildlife and National Park Service and so on. Roughly 50 people spoke out in opposition. That's all they had time for. There would have been more. Residents, local communities, among various people who spoke in plans of the potential consequences. Quote, I'm a farmer. I worry not only for the bears destroying my crops, but for the safety and well-being of myself, my family, and my on-farm hands. He was speaking during the session. He says it's clear, you know, that grizzlies can and probably will move out of the zone, which you drop them in. Really? No, I'm not calling this guy stupid. I just remember having the same conversation when it came to wolves and so on in in Wyoming. You want to do this, that's fine. Go ahead. Just keep in mind, they're not going to obey the borders. They're going to get outside the borders. And when they do, they're going to cause problems. And so I'm okay with doing it just as long as when they get outside of that zone, people are allowed to kill them if necessary. I think that's fair enough. We do that in Wyoming for the most part. If, For example, you find wolves. If you're a rancher, you got sheep, llamas, whatever you got, and you see wolves in the area, you're allowed to do something about that. So, okay. Uh, let me see. In late September, the proposed rule and draft environmental impact statement opening the doors to release the apex predator into the northern Cascades National Park in northern Washington along the U.S.-Canadian border. The proposal was cheered by eco groups but criticized by uh, people who lived in the area. And I, we're trying to do the same thing. We had a conversation about wolves going into Colorado and Wyoming refused to provide those wolves so those who want it done in Colorado are going somewhere else to get the wolves to do so but again as they start the wolves start to move across the area they start causing problems well okay here's I said I had a solution for this here's the solution let's go to the people who are proposing this 
who say it's a great idea and we're going to drop grizzly bears in their neighborhood. Because many of the people who are proposing this don't live like folks out west live. They tend to live in much more urban environments. That's fine. We'll just go ahead and drop some grizzly bears and some mountain lions in their neighborhoods and let them go ahead and deal with it. So that way they can't be critical because they're participating themselves. That's one of those NIMBY things, not in my backyard. We demand you put grizzly bears and wolves back into nature. Absolutely fine with that. I, no, I'm not saying that sarcastically. I am absolutely fine with that. Are you willing to take grizzly bears and wolves where you are? I've often said that we could drop them into Central Park in New York, if that's what you would like to do, just so you understand what we're up against, just so you know. So I like the idea that here in Wyoming we do have bears and wolves and up there. I've never been opposed to the idea. Um, but I'm also in favor of the idea. And when they get onto somebody's land where they start doing harm to livestock, then the owner of that livestock and land should be allowed to do something about it without any negative consequences. Fair enough, I think. There's plenty of land out there that these creatures can roam and will not come across them. We will not run into them up there. That's why the bear population is at an all-time high in Wyoming, because most of the places where the bears are, humans aren't going. It's only when they get outside of those zones that it becomes a problem. Here's a quote. There's not the habitat up here, Washington State, for the grizzly bear. There never has been. There never will be, one resident said during a comment session. So you're going to put grizzly bears there? What are they going to do? They're going to get right out in, in the winter. They're going to go right down into, he names different towns in the area. They're going to be looking for food, essentially. If you're not willing to accept the responsibility for what goes down in this country from the actions you take, you have no business taking these actions, said one resident. Okay. Federal plan to release includes three options that would involve actively restoring populations for the threatened species and this is where, again, they're proposing to do it and have public comment and so on. And the story goes on and on. From there, you get the general idea. I mention this. I bring it up because we've dealt with the exact same thing here in the state of Wyoming. And Colorado is going through the same thing as well. And I find that w when I talk to most people, there's not any objection overall to reintroducing the animals as long as what I said just a moment ago, as long as should they wander onto someone's property where they can cause harm to livestock or people out there, then we're allowed to do something about it. Other than if you're not in favor of that, then don't release them out here because that's exactly what's going to happen. Now, I suppose they've tried putting signs up that grizzly bears and wolves can read, telling them not to go beyond that point. So far... Those signs haven't worked, and those animals always get outside. Now, at the same time, because they've been released into areas where there aren't really many people at all, way out there, way out, and Wyoming has a lot of way out there. That's why the wolf population is actually doing really well and why the grizzly population and other, uh, other such species that we put out there and try to help out are doing so remarkably well because we have so much space. But what about those areas? Let's go down to Colorado. What about those areas that don't have that much space anymore because of human population? What's their plan? 
Okay, that's why I say you might we might want to teach them a lesson by showing them what we're up against by just releasing these animals into their neighborhoods, just to see what they do about it. What do you think they'll do about it? Would they object? If nobody came to help, would they take matters into their own hands? I think they would. Coming up on 815, Wake Up. If it's happening in Wyoming, it's on Wake Up Wyoming with Glenn Woods from K2 Radio. Join the conversation at 888-97-WOODS. 19 is the time. It's Wake Up My Own. With all the negative news I got to give to you guys every single day, it's nice to have some good news once in a while. So we go to Cheyenne, Wyoming, because in Cheyenne, there's a group of people working at Meals on Wheels, that, a lot of them volunteers, that make sure people who can't get the nutrition that they need will get it. And it's all done through a community service program, which has reached a milestone. Rihanna Brand's on the phone with me, one of my pe- favorite people in Cheyenne, Wyoming. I hope you've been good. Yes. Yeah. How are you doing, Glenn? Very good, as a matter of fact. I'm in, in a disgustingly good mood today. It's just horrible. So let's take a look at what Meals on Wheels does for the community. Then we'll set up the milestone that you've created. You serve, what, breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks, all of that? We do lunch and dinner primarily. Okay. Um, every time we do a food drive, though, we make sure to fill people's, uh, all the clients' pantries as well. Okay. Um, and then we also have a program that we launched in January called Animeals. Mm-hmm. So we do pet food and supplies as well. Okay. So a lot of this is for people, I guess, who are just having problems getting out of the house. Is that part of it? Yeah. You know, uh, primarily most of our clients are elderly or disabled. Um, but with the food insecurity the way that it is, uh, anyone can qualify for a program that lives in Laramie County, okay. no matter what age. Actually, our youngest client right now is four years old. <laughs> wow. Okay. Let's take a look at the people who help you, because I know some people like you work there, but there's a lot of volunteers, and they come from all over, all walks of life. Absolutely. Um, we have so many different volunteers of all ages. Um, a lot of retired folks, actually, because they still want to do something to help their community and um, have that camaraderie, you know. Um, but we have over 200 volunteers, and we're so grateful for them. We could not have reached this milestone without the help of our community. It takes a village, for sure. Okay, so let's talk about the milestone that you reached, because I read this just the other day in the news, and I thought, wow, that's a lot of meals out there. It's hard. And I've been in your facilities. You gave me a tour. It's hard to imagine how many meals we're talking about just so far, and we're not done with the years. So what's the milestone? So the milestone is we have uh, made, because everything's homemade from scratch, uh, packaged and delivered over 110,000 meals this year. Wow. How many people is that? Um, It's averaging about 450 people a day. Wow. Okay. Now, in order to do this, that means you've got people, volunteers coming in throughout the day. I mean, that kitchen never stops. They're cranking away right now. Starts at six thirty in the morning. Um, kitchen work is usually done by one thirty, and then um, our facility closes at two thirty. Okay, but then you have all these people who are out there delivering, and they don't just you know drop the food off and go. In a lot of cases, I know they spend a little time with some of these people. Yeah, some companionship, um, especially the regular delivery drivers. If they have a certain route that they deliver every single week. 
you really get to know these clients, these people, um, and you get to check on them, um, you know, make sure they're doing okay if they need anything. Um, you know, some of our volunteers go above and beyond and they'll go get them, you know, a wheelchair or a vacuum if they need one, um, chase birds out of their garage, like whatever they need. Um, we're, we're really here for them. Okay. Um, and then, you know, a little bit of a hard part of the job of volunteering um, and checking on people is the safety checks. So even yesterday, um, you know, we did have to call an ambulance for a client. Um, they're okay, though. Mm-hmm. If we didn't have that touch every single day, then what would happen? How large of an area does your facility serve? I know you're there in Cheyenne, but you spread out how far? We do all of Laramie County. Oh, all so, of Laramie County. Hillsville, Albin, um, Burns, Carpenter, mm-hmm. all of Laramie County. Okay, that's a pretty big area to cover. Okay, so what do you need in order, besides, uh, of course, always need fresh volunteers to come in, but besides that, what could you use to help out? Um, you know, the cost of food is really high right now. Um, it is, you know, Becoming the giving season, uh, end of the year giving is big. Um, and so we are really hoping to raise at least one month's grocery bill, which is about $45,000 um, by the end of the year. Um, it takes a lot to feed people. Uh, so any donations are greatly appreciated. But also, because of the increase in the amount of people that we're feeding each day, we do need delivery drivers. It only takes about 45 minutes to an hour of your day to go deliver. You touch about 10 to 12 people's lives with that. Um, So delivery drivers are a big thing for us. Okay. So whether it's uh, working in the kitchen or packaging, you can go make donations. You can be a delivery driver. So where do they go to find out what their fit is for helping out? Um, you can go to our website, www.mealsonwheelsofcheyenne.com. Um, you can learn about the different volunteer opportunities, and there actually is a volunteer application online as well. Okay. Also, church, civic groups, and corporate sponsorships, always welcome. Absolutely. Um, we do have opportunities um, coming into the new year. It's called a monthly meal sponsorship. Uh, we're doing that right now with the organization, Blue Cross Blue Shield of Wyoming. Super grateful for them. Um, but it's twenty five hundred dollars. Uh, your logo goes on every single meal that goes out the door. You're allowed to put pamphlets in, um, and then we invite you to come and do a, something called a kitchen takeover. Okay. Um, so you come and actually have your employees have a tangible way to help the community and help prep and package the meals. When you were giving me a tour of your facilities, which are it's just absolutely huge, I noticed a lot of the food that came in. Some of it's you know packaged food, and some of it came in from grocery stores, other places like that. But also, there's people out there who sort of either make their own or hunt their own. You you accept things like that then? Um, we absolutely so meat donations are really appreciated, um, but it does have to go through a USDA certified meat processing plant in order for us to accept it. Okay. Well, congratulations on the milestone. So where do you think you'll be by the end of the year? Oh, man. We're thinking about 130, maybe 140,000 meals that will by the end of this year. Um, It's incredible. And again, we could not do this without the volunteers, the the supporters, the donors. 
Um, our board members are wonderful. The staff is incredible. So yeah. shout out to all the people that make the magic happen every single day. Okay, so that's Meals on Wheels. Let's get them in touch with you one more time. Web addresses? www.mealsonwheelsofcheyenne.com. Okay. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, um, and our office hours are Monday through Friday, 6.30 a.m. to 2.30 p.m. Okay. So you, you just go ahead and look up Meals on Wheels and just, uh, you know, find exactly where she's located at. And, of course, you want to see the facility that doesn't help out for yourself. Absolutely. So, Rihanna, as always, thanks for all that you do for the community. And I know there's hundreds of people out there that rely on you every single day. So they appreciate you being out there. Thanks for coming on this morning. Yeah, thanks for having me, Glenn. Have a great day. Absolutely. So that's what I mean by it's good to hear some good news now. I got all this garbage that I give you guys every single day. It's not Meals on Wheels. That's the one for Laramie County. Where are you? And it doesn't just have to be I'm here in Wyoming. It doesn't just have to be Wyoming. There's some organization doing something like that. So you can go ahead and look up Meals on Wheels for your area. And it probably exists in your area. Now, if it doesn't exist exactly, and especially if you're really rural, then there are other church and civic groups out there. Because we have for quite some time had people on this program from all around the region who in the much smaller towns that are out there, I mean the really small towns out there, there's always somebody doing something. that might just have a, f- a food pantry, something like that. So Meals on Wheels is one way to do it, whether you need the help or you want to help out. Or... Of course, there's your local church and civic groups. And as Rihanna said, yeah, we get into the holiday season. That's the giving season. And people love to give during that time. We're going to have a lot of food drives and so on during that time. But don't forget, it's not just during that time, during the holiday time. There's folks that need this kind of help all year round. And who Rihanna is helping mostly are people who just have a hard time getting out of the house. Not that they don't have the financial resources, they have a hard time getting out of the house, but she's moved it into people who also have financial struggles as well. So there's your way to help out. Coming up on 8.30, local news coming your way right after local news update on your weather forecast. You and I get back into it again with a nice long segment of Open Phones, Wyoming and cow parts. That's your next topic. Wake up, Wyoming. You asked for an expert. Uh, we didn't have the budget for that. Wake Up Wyoming with Glenn Woods. Weekdays, 6 to 10 a.m. and 24-7 on the Wake Up Wyoming app. 8.36 the time. It's Wake Up Wyoming. All right, we're in open phones. 888-97. What's the phone number? 888-97-W-O-O-D-S. If you missed it, right out of the gate early this morning, and I want to be very clear like I did earlier this morning about this. My headline reads, Harvard University physicist calls Governor Gordon's carbon negative plan for Wyoming insane. Now, when the Harvard professor wrote this letter, he didn't, he did not name Governor Gordon specifically. But Governor Gordon had just spoken at Harvard University. And this physicist wrote the letter right after and posted it. So I don't think he was specifically naming Governor Gordon, but more like people who think like him, just so you know. But still, the ideas that Governor Gordon spoke about 
those ideas were called just literally, he called them insane. So here's Governor Gordon uh, speaking. Uh, right now they're in Jackson, and they're having a bit of a conference, which I'll get back to in just a moment, because this delves into the area of cow farts, which I know you love it when I do a cow fart segment. Greg is in Laramie. Morning, Greg. Morning, Glenn. How are you doing today? Good, sir. What you got? Well, I wanted to talk about uh, a really good news. We had some great news on reducing regulations. My home state of Ohio okay. threw the government out of the house, out of the bedroom, mm-hmm. and has now um, uh, insured rights. Oh, so, so you're talking right about to... making abortion part of their constitution. And, and, and legalizing recreational marijuana okay. while the state of Wyoming takes away rights. Mm-hmm. And is sitting in the judiciary to ban Delta Eight. I mean, it's so weird. Yeah. Well, Ohio voters said uh, it's a plant. We can handle it. Okay. I find the freedoms in Ohio now are much greater than the freedoms in Wyoming. I know some people would debate you on that. If we took a list of the the different kinds of freedoms, I mean, you're taking two. If we were to list all the different kinds of freedoms out there, I would think Wyoming overall is more free. But you're picking a couple of big issues. I think eventually... It's an open-carry state, too. It's an open-carry state. I I, mean, the things I care about. Yeah. But I would think, though, that over time, and I know a lot of people don't like me saying this and disagree with me, but since more and more states are legalizing marijuana... And the feds are doing nothing about it because there's really nothing they can do about it. At some point, a federal law passes making it legal to smoke marijuana anywhere in the country. The feds won't come after you. At some point, I think that happens. Well, we should have never banned naturally occurring plants. I mean, prohibition caused the largest crime wave in American history. Yeah, prohibition. And and in my opinion, banning plants has resulted in methamphetamine, which is a terrible drug. Just take mm. a look at Laramie County. Right. And 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 fentanyl, which is another terrible drug. Mm. Opium dens, which you mentioned yesterday, would be a much better solution for both pain management and regulating and taxation. So yeah. uh, again, more freedoms, thank goodness for the Ohio people at this time. I yeah. wish uh the Wyoming legislature wouldn't have jumped on their abortion ban so fast maybe right. we would have an interim session and have a more open and honest discussion about what rights were taken and and, and whether how much uh, the government should be up somebody's draft right do you find it interesting now of course the other side of that argument is what about the rights of the child and we've had that argument before but don't you think it's interesting well, though when it comes to every single state out there that tried to either regulate or ban abortion, in most cases, they have a tough time doing any regulation. And to my knowledge, no one's been able to really ban it yet. Well, I think the Supreme Court with Roe v. Wade, I mean, it was, a again, I feel like um, it was a right to privacy. It should have held for nine months. But, mm. again, Republicans chased the car. They caught the car. And now the car is running them over. Because, right. the you know, once you woke up the, you woke up the voter... They're thinking about these rights, and they're saying, you have no business. Right. Look, my neighbor has no right to tell me whether I have a child. If my neighbor has no right, then the state has no right. Okay. But now I always have to bring back to you, because I'm going to give you the other side of that argument. It's to, to the other side of the argument, it's not a matter of whether you have the right to have a child or not. It's do you have the right to kill a child or not. 
Well, here's the thing. You don't have the right to ask the question. Uh, yes, we do. And, and, we and again, absolutely do have the right the... to ask the question because no, there's no, people don't. there's no. people on the other side of the argument who think that that's a baby in there. So what do you think? What do you say to them? Well, they they never have the right to ask whether it has a baby or not. That's the point. Yeah, but they do. The, if you're if you read, okay, the, if you read the Bill of Rights. You uh-huh. can't get there. Okay, so this is the uh, scenario I, I offered to you before, and you didn't have an answer to it. If you have a next-door neighbor, a couple next door, and they have a baby in a crib, and they decide that, you know, we just can't deal with this baby, so they decide in the middle of the night they're just going to go ahead and kill the baby, and you know they're going to do it, do you get involved? Again, once a citizen has been presented uh-huh. to the world, to yes. the U.S., then it has rights. Uh-huh. Prior to that, it's a private decision of the so this goes back to the di- wait, okay wait so this goes back to the discussion we had before. So when is it a citizen? Uh, once it's presented to the public, once it's born. So so what about one yeah. second? One second before birth, it's okay to kill it then. I mean, here's the thing: these are corner cases. When you're legislating for a corner case. That is a loser argument. No, it's not. It be because here's why. I'm going to let you go, but I want you to think about this. Here's why it's not a loser argument. Because every time I offer this scenario, you don't have an answer for me. You never do. You avoid the question. Wait, now, I will let you think about it. Because every time I ask this, Greg, every time I ask this, you avoid the question. So think about it. Call back at some other time, and we'll get into it. But I'll give you time to think about it. You avoid the question every time. Triple eight ninety seven Woods is the phone number. I'm giving him a chance to think about the question. He says it's not a human being, not a citizen, until it's presented to the world. In other words, born. What about one second before it's born? Is that okay? Because what we're really discussing with the abortion issue is when we decide that that's a child. Is it from conception immediately? Is it two or three weeks in? Is it later than that? Reed is in Nebraska. Hello, Reed. Yeah, Glenn, former Colorado resident, uh, yes, sir. escaped with my with oh, my eyes. Thank God. The, yeah. Uh, yeah, I witnessed uh, firsthand what legalization of marijuana and recreational yeah. drugs does, and 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 the abortion thing. It just it, it's a magnet for for young people to go vote, especially young women. Okay. Uh, you know, I've got uh, a couple daughters who are in the. Uh, marijuana business down there and and they both exhibit signs of you know paranoid yeah. schizophrenia okay by the way uh, visits to uh er's in colorado with people exhibiting signs of paranoid schizophrenia mm-hmm. has increased 800 percent since they uh right. legalized okay now yeah. and it, 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 it didn't stop the illegal traffic either well <laughs> no no close. i think part of the reason it didn't stop illegal traffic is because as soon as colorado legalized it they started to tax and regulate the daylights out of it, putting it right back on the yeah. ground again. But I wonder, what do you think about Because I really do think this is going to end up happening. So many states have legalized it, that, and the feds have no resources to enforce federal law. At some point, do you think that the feds just go ahead and drop the federal law against it? Uh Probably. Yeah, probably. probably. They'll, they'll see, they'll, they'll, yeah, they'll see the trend. I mean, yeah. the trend is, especially for Democrats. Sure. I mean, they have no they have no moral compunction to yeah. uh, stop people from committing suicide. Yeah, I mean, okay. Mentally, mentally. I mean, mental illness is a real is a real problem. I mean, this, yeah. you know, with the pandemic, people are, were whacked. And then, you know, they sat at home and, you know, 
smoked a bowl and got happy, you know. Okay. And uh, yeah, it, but it's it's a temporary fix to a a serious problem. Okay, thank you, Reed. I appreciate the call. He's calling in from Nebraska. Let's wake up, Wyoming. Wake up, Wyoming, with Glenn Woods on K2 Radio. Got something to say? Chat him on the Wake Up Wyoming mobile app or call 888-97-WOODS. 848's the time. It's Wake Up Wyoming. Off we go to the icebox. Frank Gambino is waiting by. Frank, I'm going to gross you out. Again? Yeah, well, why not? Now, there are certain foods that we all love and even at times think are good for us. You know, certainly, but in fact, they're not. No, they're really not. No. And so I found I, I wasn't looking for this, Frank. I just came across somebody who decided to use his artistic abilities and computers and so on to put what's really in something. Like, for example, here's some orange juice, right? Yeah. And it says on the on the can or the bottle. 100% juice from orange trees that was stripped of its oxygen so it could be stored for a year, but the process is orangeness. So he added chemically altered byproducts back in for bottling. Is that true or false? That's actually true. Okay. Yeah. So uh, just so you know, it's a lot well, of processing. At least it's cold. Um, Fruity Pebbles. You know Fruity Pebbles, right? I love right? Fruity Pebbles. Yeah, he, he redid the box to say Fructose Pebbles. <laughs> Oh, there's a lot of, you know. Yes. You got, you ha- there's some things that you need chemistry uh-huh. to make. It contains 400% of your child's daily sugar requirement. Well, that's all cereal. Yes, uh, guinea pig approved. So, <laughs> uh, oh, I love this one. I've always loved, I can't believe it's not butter. I've tried it. I can believe it. He says, I can't believe it's soybean oil, palm nail oil, palm oil, water, salt, soy, any vinegar. Uh, it goes on and on. Barricarriage. <laughs> There's nothing in here that says any kind of anything that's butter. So it's not. No, it's not butter. Okay. So you love, you like Twinkies? Love Twinkies. Love Twinkies, yeah. He calls that, he has a beautiful picture of a Twinkie here. Whipped lard in GMO sludge. Pretty, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> pretty much, yeah. Okay. You know what? But that yeah. lard tastes great right out it of the does, uh, really, refrigerator yeah. or the okay. freezer. Um, I, I, I can't eat birthday cake. I don't know what that icing is supposed to be. It's too it's, sweet it's, for it's me. It's too much. Just actually. too much, yeah. <laughs> Betty Crocker, three kinds of sugar and oil. Frosting. That's, That's basically what that. Oh, I, uh, oh, God! Isn't this, frosting like a one hundred percent? Guy's sugar? just ruining everything, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Men's college hoops from last night. The Wyoming Cowboys mowed over Northern New Mexico and Laramie to start the season one hundred four to fifty six. Northern New Mexico is an NAIA school, so this result is no surprise. Cowboys have four players in double figures, led by Sam Griffin. Sam Griffin from the transfer from Tulsa with twenty four. Aquel Cott, the transfer from Fort Lewis, at twenty one. He's a gifted offensive player. UW shot sixty two percent from the field and nailed 13 threes in the contest. The Cowboys will be at home on Saturday to meet Cal Poly. The junior college basketball season is underway on the men's side. Casper College with new head coach Tom Parks. 2-1 and one on the year with an 80-74 to 74 win over Western Nebraska. A 94-56 defeat to Salt Lake and a 109-69 win over the Jumpstart Academy. T-Birds will be in the Southern Idaho Tournament in Twin Falls this weekend. The LCCC men out of Cheyenne, 2-1 and one with a 74-72 win over North Platte, Nebraska. Then they beat McCook, Nebraska, 87-56 and lost to Trinity 
Trinidad, Colorado, 116-100. The Golden Eagles will host Western Nebraska tonight. The Casper College women's basketball team started the season with an 80-64 victory over Snow College from Utah, then lost to Utah State Eastern 67-62. They'll be at NJC in Sterling, Colorado on Friday. The LCCC women posted a win over North Platte 56-52 and McCook 57-50, and they will be in the Western Wyoming tournament later on this week college football. The Wyoming Cowboys on the road at UNLV on Friday night. Cowboys rebounded from that Boise State loss with a 24-15 victory over Colorado State last Friday in the border war in Laramie. This was a game the Cowboys desperately needed to win, so they're bowl eligible now at 6-3 and three overall, 3-2 three and two in Mountain West Conference play. UNLV hasn't been very good in football lately, except for this season. Rebels are 7-2 and two, and their losses are against nationally rated Michigan and Fresno State than they did be Vanderbilt of the SEC. Cowboys are 5.5 point under Underdogs in the game. That's an 845 start from Vegas on Friday. We'll have that for you on K2 Radio and Casper and KOWB and Larry. And in the NFL, some former Wyoming Cowboys had sharp games over the weekend. Casper native Logan Wilson, Cincinnati's middle linebacker, had eight tackles in their 24-18 win over Buffalo. Bills quarterback Josh Allen was 26 of 38 for 258 yards and one touchdown in that game against Cincinnati. New Orleans defensive lineman Carl Granderson with five tackles in their 24-17 win over Chicago. Marcus Epps, who plays in the Las Vegas Raiders secondary with four tackles and their 30-6 win over the New York Giants. Okay, so Country Time Lemonade, not a single lemon in it. Why? Hi, Jesse. And you, I love that stuff, but there's no lemons in it at all. It's just sugar water. Uh, artificially, oh, okay. Um, do you like bacon bits on your salad? Well. Artificially flavored textured soy flour. I don't like it anymore. Okay. And what about your pancake syrup, which he writes as imitation boiled tree sap made from chemically processed corn kernels with water and aromatic compounds? Well, I, 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 know, would, I, I just, would take that up with the people who put yes, the faucet right I, into the the tree and you t- and then ask them what what but syrup have is. you tried going i love a uh, real maple syrup man that stuff's expensive oh man is it ever all right thank you Frank. coming up on some local business news time more open phones wake up Wyoming. Six the time. It's Wake Up Wyoming. My name is Glenn Woods. Thanks for joining me. Always get good calls in this program, so you can jump in at any time. Open phones. The rules are simple. You can talk about whatever you want to talk about. If I'm on something else, I allow you to interrupt me and change the subject during these times. You can't do it before open phones, but once open phones starts, you can just say, wait a second, I forget what you're talking about. Here's what I want to talk about. It's a dangerous time for me, but I let you do it because I know there's things that's on your mind. Triple eight ninety seven woods That's 888-97-W-O-O-D-S. Also, if you don't want to call in, there's the Wake Up Wyoming app. Now, that's free to download at your app store. Just go to your app store, Wake Up Wyoming. There it is. There's a lot of things on the app. News, sports, weather, special alerts if you want to activate them. Old shows, this program becomes a podcast, and it's condensed getting rid of news and sports and weather, just getting down to the meat of the program, and you can listen to the show whenever you want. Comedy bits, but also hit the chat option and send me a text message when I'm on the air, and I answer them both on the air and off. So that's all that you can do by downloading the Wake Up Wyoming app, which is free at your app store. All right, now... 
I wanted to play this one more time because I thought this was brilliant. There's a, there's really a great way to make an, uh, make arguments and discuss and debate people, and I appreciate people who do it well. Screaming doesn't solve a problem. Okay, if you want to make a point, yelling and screaming and holding up obnoxious signs at a protest and stuff like that doesn't convince anybody of anything. You're certainly welcome to do it. That's your right, but you're not getting anywhere. Sometimes you got to be really clever to make a point. So here's a gentleman who walked around a major city with a petition. And the the petition is to support Hamas in freeing Palestine. Now, there's a lot of people on the left, this is a very liberal city he's in, that right away they reach out and they grab the pen. I'll sign that. But he clarifies for them, just so you know, if you support Hamas, you're also saying you support the following because this is what Hamas says that they do. And he reads it to them before they sign the petition. Doing a, a quick petition to help Hamas free Palestine. Uh, you're all in? Mm-hmm. All right. Oh, yeah, you're in? Easy. I just have to read terms and conditions just so okay. you, know, you know what you're signing. Okay. By supporting Hamas freeing Palestine, you agree to the following. You agree that every Jew, Christian, and non-Muslim in the world must be slaughtered. I don't know about that one. You endorse making homosexuality punishable by jail or death? Oh, no. You don't agree with that? You believe Iran should use Palestinians as puppets to spread radical jihad and destroy the West? No? No. I'm glad I read the terms of agreements. You support strict Sharia law, which bans women from showing their knees, hair, playing sports in public, not being able to travel without a man's permission. I'm sorry, not interested? Oh, okay. You want a terrorist group that beheads babies and rapes girls to replace only democracy in the Middle East? I'm not sure that's something to support. So if I sign, I agree with this. Yes. Baby, no. No? Okay. Well, no. Thank you. No. I don't support any of these two things that you just read to me, so okay. then I won't be able to sign this then. That's fair. No, thanks for not signing. <laughs> yeah. All right. See, that was so damn clever. Basically, every one of them, every one of them, I'll sign that, and they grab the pen. Oh, they can't wait to sign that. Until he reads, this is what you're agreeing to. And he didn't make that up. That's what Hamas actually wants to do. What they think, what their charter is, what they want to do. So none of that was made up. And as he was reading off the terms and conditions, they all just took the pen and put it right back on the clipboard and said, no, I can't sign that. Sometimes that's the clever methods like this is the best way to make a point. Most of the time when I watch debates out there, people are yelling and screaming at each other and absolutely nothing gets solved. Now, I was going to bring this up again. You can interrupt me. Talk about something else if you want. Triple eight ninety seven Woods. So earlier this week, I told you the story. Governor Mark Gordon received a no confidence rebuke from the Wyoming Republican Party over comments he made about climate change at Harvard University. Gordon spoke about Wyoming being committed to reaching carbon negative CO2 emissions. Not carbon neutral, carbon negative. And then he doubled down on that after being rebuked by his own Republican Party, saying we don't think that your comments reflect Wyoming. Okay, so a Harvard physicist spoke about this. Now, I don't know, and I made sure to... The story's on the Wake Up Wyoming website. The title I gave it 
Harvard physicist calls Governor Gordon's carbon negative plan insane, and he actually uses the word insane. Now, the only difference is, to be clear, he did not mention Governor Gordon by name, okay? But the letter that this physicist wrote came out just after Governor Gordon left. So I don't know if it's related or not. Makes me think that it was, but you get the idea. All right. So not only is CO2 greening the earth, this physicist talks about, but he also says net zero would not be cheap or easy. He called the very idea naive and insane. Now, if you want to read exactly what the Harvard phys, I'm sorry, Harvard physicist says, you can go to the Wake Up Wyoming site. There's the story. Use your app to get there. There's the story. And you can, I use the link several times. So you can just click on the link and go read the entire letter. But here's some excerpts from it. He says, some people claim net zero would be totally easy and cheap, below $2 trillion. As long as we built a bunch of nuclear power plants, but such claims are completely insane. All electric cars are basically impossible, he says. He goes on to say every forcibly shut down power plant, whether it runs on coal, natural gas, uranium, is a waste of money. Equally important for net zero, it totally fails to be enough to replace power plants. The replacement of cars by electric vehicles is basically impossible in the decades to come. The marker already shows that there's really no demand. And I do have a story, which I might be able to get to this hour, we'll see, that shows that, once again, people are just not interested in them. But he says we need huge lithium reserves, which we don't have, and we're going to run out of copper, cadmium, and many other things just to build the cars. Then you got your wind and solar projects, which need all of these things, and we don't have the materials that we know of to do it. He goes on to say, then you have cow and methane. I have a story on that coming up next. He says, net zero is insane. Science and economics, it's insane. He says, the real battle is against lunatics. That's, wow, that's, this is, again, a Harvard physicist that's saying this. He's really stepping out here when you figure out where he works he can get canceled for saying this. The battle is against lunatics. The appropriation of science and the science brand by climate alarmist crackpots have been a huge blow to civilization, he says. And he concludes by saying it's BS that the CO2 is behind bad individual weather events or extremes. It's pretty, it pretty much everybody understands that a 1 to 2 degree Celsius warming is not a problem. What is terrible is that CO2 has been irrationally blamed for storms and other things that have existed for billions of years. So you've heard me talk about that for a very long time. Using these same arguments. Well, where, If you're wondering where I get these arguments from, it's guys like this, climatologists, physicists, meteorologists. That's who I'm listening to when I get these things. Now, Cowboy State Daily, Methane and Cows. The federal government also is providing incentives for farmers to reduce their methane output, which results from the bowel movements of cows and other livestock. The overall impact of cattle methane emissions on climate change has been a political flashpoint, including in Wyoming. 
U.S. Representative Harriet Hageman recently reacted to a European Union initiative to kill cows to reduce their impact on the climate. The left, this is a quote from Harriet Hageman, the left inadvertently telling the truth about what they had in store for the real world. According to the USDA, the population of U.S. cattle has been steadily declining since 1998, where there are nearly 100 million head. Now there's about 89 million. The tricky part of the administration's slate of goals is to reduce methane output, at least somewhat runs contradictory to the goal of adding more farms in America. Governor Gordon touted Wyoming's land management practices. They're meeting right now. Governors are meeting in Jackson Hole right now, where Governor Gordon touted Wyoming's land management practices and efforts for carbon capture and sequestration. He complained that the government is trying to regulate methane production too much. He says, now deer, elk, and moose all undulate. So they all have that as well, Gordon said, about methane contributions. Rather than putting the heavy hand of government down on regulatory side, trying to figure out ways to innovate and incentivize people to do the right thing. So here's, this is where uh, your Governor Gordon, though, although he doesn't agree with everything the Biden administration is trying to do and calls it too heavy-handed, but the idea of carbon sequestration, especially capturing out of thin air, has been called flat-out insane by a physicist from Harvard University. 917, wake up Wyoming. Like a strong cup of coffee in the morning. Tasteless, but it'll get you through the day. Wake up Wyoming with Glenn Woods. Nine twenty-three is the time. Wake up Wyoming. All right, a lot of different subjects here. I'm sort of topic hopping right now, which is why I make it open phones because I'm going to be jumping from one thing to the next, which it makes it okay for you to interrupt me. Triple eight ninety-seven Woods phone number. Camping in Casper. We're talking homelessness. Now, so, you know, when I, I've driven through Casper really early in the morning, like 2 a.m., even at this time of year, and I see people trying to find anywhere to keep warm or just sit outside. And I'm looking at something thinking, you're going to die of exposure, pal. I've done the same in Cheyenne, heading into downtown to the KJAB studios. And as I'm heading through, it's like two in the morning and I'm, wow, there's someone over there who basically set up a camp. Sometimes it's right in downtown, sometimes just somewhere else where they, wherever they can find. And if it gets close to wintertime, gets really cold at night. I see them huddling up against cold. All right, here's the story. This is from Oil City News. Casper, Wyoming, camping on private property and near waterways in Casper has been restricted as the Casper City Council passed a new camping ordinance. Again, this deals with homelessness. With unanimous approval from the present council, the ordinance changes uh, are now law. No public testimony was given against the measure. The ordinance adds new limitation on camping within the city to address homelessness. During an earlier session, the council reviewed increasing homelessness and considered revisions. What they're trying to do is give enough power to the police to be able to do something about it. Because the police have to know, in order for us to act, what is the law? 
And that's essentially what they're trying to do is give something. Oh, on that note, let me see. Where's – aha. <clears throat> this is a good story. And I got to give Cowboy State Daily credit. This is a really good story. Headline is Riverton's day drinkers agree with Wyoming lawmakers and say they're not homeless. Day drinkers. A Wyoming legislative committee heard a plea Tuesday for a $500,000 grant to build a homeless shelter in Riverton. But Riverton Republican State Representative Amber Oakley noted that most of Riverton's wandering population actually have homes. They simply come into town to drink, and they'll go ahead and sit in a park and do it, something like that. Oakley spoke with Wyoming Rescue Mission Executive Director at a public meeting and urged lawmakers to consider giving $500,000 toward a startup of a new homeless shelter in Riverton where many wanderers are visible in public spaces, like parks, stuff like that. Hopkins said he's been hearing from community leaders that there's quite a bit of interest in Fremont County. For a homeless shelter. Riverton Police Department also confirmed Cowboy State Daily he's uh, consulting with different groups on this shelter as well. He said, I saw firsthand what a community like this when it does not have a homeless shelter. But again, some of the people out there are saying, no, 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 we're not homeless. We're just out here drinking. We want some place to go drink. And so here we are. They wander into town, drink, Stagger out, essentially, is what they're saying. We'll see how that develops. It's that no, that's really going to be interesting. It's going to be see how does that exactly develop. Now, I have I wonder sometimes when it comes to the camping ordinance. In some cases, I look and see and think, is that guy technically camping? I guess you can say, yeah. This morning, when I was driving into work, there's a building in downtown. And I think it's run by one of the churches in downtown, but it's it's uh, it's not a church itself, but it's run by one of the churches. And there's a bench out there on the side of the building. And oftentimes I find people that have no place else to go are sitting on that bench and they wrap themselves up in coats and whatever they can to keep warm. And again, it, it's like two in the morning when I'm driving to work and there they sit. This morning, there was just one guy there. It, it, the number of people there depends. Some mornings, there's nobody. Sometimes, there's quite a few people. This morning, there's just one person. It was cold out there. It was in the upper 30s. And this person's all bundled up in coats just sitting there. And I wonder out loud to myself while I'm driving, I'm wondering out loud, is that camping? I mean, there's not a tent. He didn't build a structure. He's not setting up like you see in downtown Denver not setting up some place where he intends to stay permanently. He just had no place to go. And so when it got late at night, he just said, well, here's a bench and sat down on the bench. And he's leaning up against not just the bench, but the wall behind him, trying to close his eyes, keep warm and get some sleep. So... When I take a look at the Casper City Council's ordinance on this, I have to, I wonder I have to ask someone from their legal division or the police department, would that be considered camping? Because the guy could make the argument, hey, I was just tired and I sat down. I'm sorry I fell asleep here. We'll see how they deal with it. And then once you catch someone who actually is trying to make more of a permanent structure or set up a tent or whatever, what exactly do they do with them? Uh, arrest? Uh, put them on a bus? 
That's the next part of the story that I want to hear. What's your solution now that you've made it illegal to do so? Coming up on 9.30, local news coming your way right after local news update on your weather forecast. And then the next couple of stories, the highest peak in the Grand Tetons, somebody wants to change the name of it because of a scandal that happened a long time ago. Not the whole Tetons, just one particular peak. I'll explain that. Let's wake up, Wyoming. This show contains sarcasm that some listeners may find disturbing. A sense of humor is advised. Chat with Glenn live on the Wake Up Wyoming app. 9.36 the time, Wake Up Wyoming. So Ben George, who is over in Vernon, sends me a note here. All of these name changes due to somebody not liking a situation that took place decades ago makes my blood boil. Can we leave well enough alone? Now, some name changes that I'm not in favor of. Now, for example, Squaw Valley right, or Squaw River. When you take up a look, take a look at what Squaw really means, and it means woman or wife. You know, and, and I looked into that and thought there's nothing offensive about that, really. But all right, some people now think it is offensive and they want to change. Well, they're wrong. But also, Devil's Tower. I always thought it was amusing when white men showed up in the area and pointed and said, what do you call that? And the Indians in the area were trying to explain there was some very mischievous god, almost a bad god. The Nordic religion would consider it to be Loki, but, you know, just a mischievous bad god. And so, oh, the devil, said the white people. Oh, so it's devil's tower. Now, the Indians were trying to say that's not what we said, but it stuck. Also, if you notice, they're spelling the Devil's Tower. It's not an apostrophe S. That's a typo. When the tower was officially named, right, by the white people, the clerk who was writing up Devil's Tower did not add an apostrophe in Devil's. So now you you spell it Devil's Tower without the apostrophe S, just S. It's a typo that makes it interesting how those things come to be, right? All right, so Sam T. Woodring was the first superintendent of Grand Teton National Park. Recently rediscovered records show his life had a secret that was buried and kept hidden. Among the documents are accusations that he molested two girls. Because of this... He has. There's a call by the U.S. Board of Geographic Names. Mount Woodring, the tallest peak of the Grand Tetons, needs to be renamed. Not the whole Tetons, just that one mountain. So Saint, uh, Sam T. Woodring served as superintendent of Grand Teton National Park from 1929-1934. Resigned after he was charged with sex crimes involving a child. Quote, I do think it kind of fits into the same context that Secretary Holland is pursuing, which is that if you've got names on the landscape that are connected with really bad things that happened, we ought to change the name. Some people thought Raven Peak would be a good name. Okay, 
So that's what's happening. This is a proposal at this point. Nothing has been changed. It's just that there's some people saying, no, we can't have that. Not after what this guy was caught doing. So let's go ahead and change. And he resigned in disgrace and all of that. So let's name it Raven's Peak or something like that. That's where we are and that nothing has happened other than the proposal has been made. At some point, the bureaucracy meets once again to discuss name changes and so on. And it'll come up. We'll see what happens after that. Next story. Now, I sent this to Don Day of Dayweather, who I like talking to in the morning. We send notes. Sometimes we send notes back and forth to each other on Messenger. Don Day, besides being your regional weatherman, is a hot air balloonist, in case you didn't know. I sent him this article from Cowboy State Daily. Balloonist charged with illegally landing in Grand Teton National Park. He blames the wind. A Jackson hot air balloon is facing criminal charges... For landing in the Grand Teton National Park is arguing the wind swept him there and air traffic controllers ordered him to land. Operating or using aircraft in national parks other than designed areas or designated areas is punishable by up to six months in jail and a $5,000 fine. Richard Glass, hot air balloonist operating out of Jackson... Touched down July 11th Grand Teton National Park while carrying passengers. Class was trying to get back to the launch point, uh, Snake River Ranch. Argued that the filing in district court, well, you know, he's fighting the filing. Uh, an unexpected wind gust blew glass over the park, he said, into the airspace of Jackson Hole Airport. Another pilot who had launched with glass landed near the airport. Glass thought he could see uh, ease toward the other pilot if the wind did well, but the wind didn't cooperate. Okay, so he landed, but because of the wind, so what being argued by those people who are charging him is, yeah, but you landed here, and you're not allowed to. U.S. Attorney's Office or prosecutor conversely argued in Monday's brief that the court in the government has proven that Glass is guilty under the law while Glass isn't admitting guilt under the law at this time. So, okay. Uh, we'll find out. This has got, I don't know if they're going to go for a jury on this thing or just a judge or something like that, but they got to go ahead and make the case. So, I know there's some hot air balloonists that operate in the area. I'd like to take one of those personally. But what do you do if you start to – essentially, the hot air balloon is wandering into the airspace of the airport out there. And, of course, air traffic control at the tower can't have that. There's airplanes coming in. So there's where they order the balloon. Just land. All right. We'll find out what happens when that goes to court. It's been since July. They're still working on this thing. 942 is the time. Wake up on when you need to know quicker than the morning paper or the 5 o'clock news, you need Wake Up Wyoming with Glenn Woods. Mornings on K2 Radio. It's the time. Wake up, Wyoming. Off we go to the icebox. Frank Gambino is waiting by. Frank, you cover all of the best and most popular sports out there. Um, often encouraging you, of course, to cover sports that nobody should ever even hear about. And yet, somehow, it's not on your list. 
Hmm. Hang on a second here. Okay. I'm just waiting. I thought he was... Okay, well... Frank Gambino, Studio 6. Frank Gambino, Studio 6. I had this all set up and ready to go. No? If he's over there, he's not pushing right. See, I got that there. And Frank, you there? No? Okay. Well, apparently, for some reason, Frank didn't show up again. What do we do with... Frank Gambino, Studio 6. Frank Gambino, Studio 6. Yeah, well, okay, here he comes over here. I'm right I'm guessing that somebody was messing with your buttons over there and, 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 and something like got out of whack or something like that. Yeah, okay. So I was going for the, um, the the kinds of sports that you should cover but never will because you have standards. Yes. Okay. Like checkers. Checkers, okay. And that's actually a televised sport. Oh, I know. And chesses, too. Oh, okay. I, you know what I saw on TV last night? Mm-hmm. Pickleball on TV. Really? Celebrity pickleball. Celebrity pickleball. I never understood why they had bowling on television, but but, I, but this pickleball <laughs> thing is it's big now. Big, 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 big. Isn't there an ESPN channel that every so often does an entire like yes, day of, like like alternative sports? You yes, know, when you roll okay. down the hill in those big rubber balls. You know, okay, and stuff like that, that that I would like yeah. bog snorkeling. Bog snorkeling. Yeah, in in Wales, uh, they take a bog, which is basically a water filled ditch, mm-hmm. muddy. And you get your snorkel on, and you try to swim it as fast as you can. Break the record. Okay. I didn't even know they okay. kept records for... Crab racing. Crab racing. You put crabs down, just like you would. Corgi racing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Things yeah, okay, like yeah. that, but this is with crabs. Boy, that, that would be really yeah. slow. This one, I know you've heard about this, the cheese rolling competition. Yeah, I've, yeah. This is where people get a running start down this really steep hill, and there's no way you're going to be able to keep up, and you start to fall and tumble. Yeah. Okay, you got to make it down to the bottom in one piece. I think you should cover that. I would like that. Not, not firsthand. No, know, no, no, no. But you would like to cover that in the state of Wyoming. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I've mentioned this before. Chess boxing. You take your opponent's piece, you get to reach over and punch him. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Um, but what about checkmate? The Wow, that's a knockout, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, with two okay. punches. Shin kicking contest. Oh. You guys kick each other's shins. <laughs> they hang on to each other and kick each other's shins too. No. Uh, let me see here. Um, it would be painful to watch. You've heard of thumb wrestling, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's yeah. actually a toe wrestling oh, competition. Pass. El Paso, oh, yeah. El Paso. Men's college basketball from last night. The Wyoming Cowboys mowed over northern New Mexico and Laramie to start the season 104-56. Northern New Mexico is an NAIA school, so this really is no surprise. Cowboys have four players in double figures, led by Sam Griffin, who had 24. He's the transfer from Tulsa. Aquel Cott, the transfer from Fort Lewis, had 21 points. He's a gifted offensive player. Cowboys had 13 threes in the game. They'll be at home on Saturday to meet Cal Poly. The junior college basketball season underway on the men's side. Casper College with the new head coach and Tom Park and Tom Parks is two and one on the year after an eighty to seventy four win over Western Nebraska, a ninety four fifty six loss to Salt Lake City, and a one oh nine sixty nine win over the Jumpstart Academy. The birds will be in the Southern Idaho tournament in Twin Falls this weekend. The L Triple C men are two and one with a seventy four seventy two victory over North Platte. They beat McCook eighty seven to fifty six and lost to Trinidad one sixteen to one hundred. The Golden Eagles will host Western Nebraska this evening. Casper College women's basketball team started the season with an eighty to sixty four win over Snow College from Utah. Then lost to Utah State Eastern 67-62. They'll be at NJC in Sterling, Colorado on Friday. The LCCC women posted a win over North Platte 56-52. 
And McCook, 57-50. to They'll be at the Western Wyoming Tournament later on this week. College football, the Wyoming Cowboys on the road at UNLV on Friday night. The Pokes rebounded from that Boise State loss with a 24-15 win over Colorado State last Friday. Not only did they get the bronze boot, but they got to be bowl eligible, so they're 6-3 and overall and 3-2 and in Mountain West play. And the UNLV has not been very good in football lately, except for this season. They're 7-2 and with their losses against nationally rated Michigan and Fresno State, and they did beat Vanderbilt to the SEC. Cowboys are 5.5-point underdogs in the game, and that will start at 845 from Vegas on Friday. We'll have that for you on K2 Radio in Casper and KOWB in Larrabee. In the NFL, some former Wyoming Cowboys had sharp games over the weekend. Casper native Logan Wilson with eight tackles for Cincinnati from his middle linebacker spot in their 24-18 win over Buffalo. Bills quarterback Josh Allen was 26 of 38 for 258 yards and a touchdown that lost to Cincy. New Orleans defensive lineman Carl Granderson had five tackles in their 24-17 win over Chicago. Marcus Epps, who plays for the Las Vegas Raiders secondary, had four tackles in their 30 to six win over the New York Giants. And that's it in sports. So there's, of course, thumb wrestling, yes. and that is a competition. Toe wrestling. And that hurts. The toes, I don't, toe I don't want to know. Okay. I don't want to see it. I don't want to know about now, it. You've seen guys go down the side of a mountain on a bicycle. I mean, really steep through yeah. the woods kind of stuff. That's pretty impressive yeah. to watch. Do it on the unicycle. Ooh. That's actually a competition. <laughs> Same back road, dirt bike, <laughs> unicycle racing kind of a thing. Um, Where do they think of these things? I don't know. I, you know, I, I know this is not going to surprise you. Back when I was a very young teenager, I ordered through a catalog stilts, a unicycle, and a book called Juggling for the Complete Idiot. And you were in parades? No. <laughs> I was good at the stilts. <laughs> right. Juggling for the Complete Plus. I was okay at juggling. I completely sucked at the unicycle. Gotcha. Well, two two out of three isn't bad. Not bad. All right. Thank you, Frank. Let's wake up, Wyoming.